travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Some people travel to relax, unwind, and forget about the trials and tribulations of everyday life. Some people travel to expand their knowledge of the world, and others travel to make a contribution to the destination, or at least maximize the positive impact while minimizing the negative ones on the local culture, environment, and economy. We've touched on the topic of responsible tourism a number of times on the show, but today we'll talk about environmental education tourism and the impact tourism and tourism revenue has on the local people, their environment, and the regional economy, particularly in Khao Sok, Thailand, where our guests Marius and Mike are working to turn tourism into a beneficial experience for everyone involved. I'm Trevor Ranges in touristy temple town Siem Reap, Thailand, and Scott Coates, I believe, is in Bangkok, Thailand. Yeah, one of the most popular cities in the world for tourism. Well, it's good to connect on this one, Trevor. And we have a mutual friend who kind of knows Marius, who's going to be one of our two guests. And I know they were talking about kind of tented camps and the feasibility of them on islands. And we got talking about what Marius is up to in Kausok. And we thought, you know what, why don't we tackle this one? So before we bring in those two, Trevor, what do you think is environmental education tourism? Gosh, you know, I mean, this is something I've always been interested in. I've been in education and I've worked in promoting environmental awareness. And, and you know, it's a tricky thing for tourism. There's a lot of different aspects, I think. And, and that's why we've done a number of episodes on it. Mm -hmm. Even uh, episode 26, which was one of our earliest ones, we did responsible tourism with Bodie Garrett, who was down in that area of Kaosok in Panga province. Right. Um, you know, so sometimes I think it's about like, you know, being a responsible traveler. Um, sometimes I think it's about learning how you can contribute, you know, like doing some volunteer work in the area or supporting uh, establishments that have jobs training programs. I, I don't know that these are all education because you're educating other people. So I think it's both getting educated yourself about a destination and or having your travel experience provide some sort of educational opportunities for others. It, it is really super broad, right? And I, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head with most of those. I'm trying to think of places where I maybe feel like I've experienced environmental education tourism. I mean, one, I think, was probably outside of Kuching uh, in Malaysian Borneo when I was there. And we stayed um, kind of in a treehouse along the South China Sea. And there was some really thoughtfully put together jungle walks there. And they gave you notes in advance to tell you what you might see and experience and the fragility of the forest. So to me, that's one. I used to spend a lot of time at Highland Farm, a given sanctuary up outside of Mesot in Thailand, where I knew the owners. And to me, that is because I would see 
the care of abused or abandoned given apes and learn about their plight and all the effort and money that goes into caring for them once people have taken them out of their natural environments. And then, you know, even on an urban setting, two come to mind, Newa Chen in the uh, kind of greater Kathmandu area in an area called Patan. And it's just a, a local family that opened their home and turned it into a bit of a hotel too. But that exposed me to the work of local artisans that make door frames and window frames out of wood. I got a tour by a guy talking about architecture and, and how the younger people are no longer learning the trades of their parents. Or then when I even think of a guy like Christian Debure, where you are in Siem Reap, whether it was at Shintamani years ago um, or Jaya Park, where he is now, he is always trying to promote local artisans and local markets and, and that sort of thing. So from those standpoints, very different areas to stay, but I feel like they connected me and educated me during my trip. How about you? Yeah, those are all such good examples. And I can tell from our show notes that Scott literally just did that all off of the top of his head, which is pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it kind of goes to show that like there is so many different educational opportunities, I guess. I mean, as a travel writer, I, I wrote a book about Cambodia for National Geographic. I did some work for them in Thailand. I think like every time I'm, I'm writing a travel piece, um, the purpose of it is to like learn about a culture and a place and everything that there is possible to learn there and then share it with other people through, through my writing and through all the experiences they can have. So I just think that like travel in and of itself is education, you know, it, it's almost impossible to separate it, but you gave some really good examples. Yeah, it is kind of impossible to separate it unless, you know, I've had those trips too, where you just turn up somewhere you sit by the pool and maybe you just enjoy drinks and you don't focus on that. But, um, you know, there's lots of little things a property can do to just help raise your awareness of the local people, the local environment, the impacts you're having and the impacts that you can avoid having along the way. You know, we've covered a fair bit of this over the years. Kind of looking, you made a notice some um, episode 26, Responsible Tourism with Bodie Garrett. 76, Travel Light and Responsibly, 127, uh, Share the Wonder with Amir Virani, and uh, Asia's Next Hotels with Tomo Hamakawa on 141. And we've done other ones too, but those are those are kind of neat. Before we get into our guests, Trevor, if people enjoy this podcast and they want to help keep it going, what can they do to support us? Yeah, you know, I think even better than just supporting us is the bonus content, you know? That's, again, yeah. one of the most fun things about the podcast for me now, because I love sitting down here with you and interviewing interesting people, but coming up with ideas for patron content is always fun. So I've recently opened a craft yeah. beer bar here in Cambodia. And so recently, uh, Scott and I had a conversation about it, uh, you know, what inspired me and how it had been going. And then recently, we were a little slow at sunset the other day. So I did a little uh, video tour of my craft beer bar here on the river in Siem Reap. And, uh, you know, I think Scott put uh, some video on there of a chit run, which I guess would be a... a, a That's right. He went up to chit beer, I guess, which is a, a, one of the good craft beer spots along the river there in Thailand. So go to our website. There's a link to become a patron or go to patreon.com and look up Talk Travel Asia and you will get the bonus content too. You can do so for as little as a couple dollars a month, I believe. So it's uh, hopefully very well worth it because it's fun to do. So uh, Scott, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guests? 
One of our guests, Marius Herman, was previously the project manager of the Cardamom Tented Camp in Cambodia. And at that time, he spoke with us about Tented Camps in Asia on episode 81. Now Marius is working in Khao Sok, Thailand with Our Jungle Resorts, leaders in ecotourism with a nice edge and a lot of social responsibility conducted through an environmental education center, which is headed by Mike Horrocks, who has been there for more than 10 years as an environmental educator in Thailand and greater Southeast Asia, and also joins us today. Hello there, gentlemen. How are you doing? Hello, doing great. Thanks. Thank you very much. Yep. Good stuff. So you're both actually in the heart of the jungle in Khao Sok in Huts. Is that right at the moment? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, you might be able to hear the nature sound surrounding us. Yeah, yeah it's due to our okay. openly built rooms now. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I'll ask the first question, which is always an easy one. We'd like to know, first of all, where are you both originally from? What was kind of your background before Asia and how and when did you first end up living over here? I'm afraid I'm going to have to correct you just on one point. So I've been in Thailand for more than 10 years, but I've actually been in Khao Sok for only the last three. Uh, so my background is in environmental education, uh, which comes under many, many names, actually. Um, some people will call it outdoor education. Uh, sometimes it's more kind of focused on adventure. Generally speaking, outdoor education is, is learning by doing out, outside of the classroom. I first came to Thailand was living in Chiang Mai for the first nine years of my time here and have been in, in Khao Sok in the south of Thailand for the last three. Uh, most of that time I've been working with okay. international schools that are coming on field trips. My job now in Khao Sok is more focused on providing that environmental education for the local community, as well as still working with international schools and tourists and other groups as well. Very cool. Thanks, Mike. How about you, Marius? Yeah, my name is Marius and uh, I'm from Germany and I have spent the last seven or eight years, I believe, in Southeast Asia, uh, working first of all in uh, Laos for a year and then transferring over to Cambodia for the Katamontante camp. And mm -hmm. afterwards, I had a year stint in Bangkok, a little bit of a different jungle where I worked on a, as a project manager mm. and then got called back by the jungle in Khao Sok, where I now where I now reside since uh, almost four years, four and a half years. All right, so maybe from the easiest question to a little bit more difficult one, maybe you can each answer half of this. <laughs> so the first half would be, uh, where did this concept for the jungle life camp originate? And then what makes it unique? So the jungle life camp is one part of the, our jungle camp resort. It was the idea of a man called Dick Sandler, who is the founder of the resorts, as well as the, the camp inside. And he's an American man who's been living in Thailand for, I think, more than 50 years now and has dear memories of when he used to go on summer camp experiences back when he was living in America. And he wanted to bring the same kind of experiences to the kids in Khao Sok. So he's been actively run, uh, working in tourism in Khao Sok for many decades already. Um, so this was his way of kind of mm. showing his appreciation, giving something back to the community, which has served him so well for that time. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, this, this can be seen, like his love for nature can be seen throughout the resorts. And I, I think now with the second development of our jungle camp um, around five years back, um, he kind of made this dream come true that he gets to the kids rather than trying to change the perception of the parents about the natural environment and the surroundings and the bigger part of sustainability needed to maintain this pristine area here. Okay, 
Very good. We're going to talk about various aspects from the kind of tourism point of view and then the the environmental education work you're doing. But for those people listening, can you just quickly tell us like where is Kalso, kind of what is it and why is it the ideal location for this sort of project? So Kalsok is the name of a national park in the south of Thailand. So if anyone's heard of Phuket, you have to travel north from Phuket for a couple of hours and you can arrive in Kalsok. And it's also the name of the mm-hmm. village in which we're located, which is essentially surrounded by forest. It's famous probably mostly for a large lake that you can find uh, distance-wise, not too far from where we are now, uh, but road-wise, maybe an hour's drive. Mm-hmm. The lake is well known for having limestone casts jutting straight out of the water. And then on the banks of the, the lake is just pristine jungle. Just from a tourism perspective, yeah, Kaosok is in yeah, smack in the middle between between all the larger destinations in, in South Sun Thailand, like from, from Krabi, uh, Koh Samui, Koh Tao, um, the Andaman Islands as well. Um, so yeah, we, we received quite a quite an increase in demand over the last couple of years, and especially now after the pandemic. People really try to get out into nature and uh, Sok is growing and um, receiving quite a lot of visitors already, which then also visit the Jungle Life Camp. Yeah, so you're saying that the camp is just an aspect of the resort. So does the resort itself also have a, a focus towards getting people out in nature and, and trying to you know make a positive impact through travel as well? Is that also have educational aspects to it? Um, yeah, sh- uh, certainly to to a certain degree. Um, I mean, not sure if you had a look on our website, but yeah, all our rooms are like openly built and kind of built in a style that you can perceive and experience the environment at all times. So um, as you pointed out, I'm sitting in a hut. So you can hear the, the the nature sound at night and, you know, like you can, you know, like perceive the different kind of like uh, noises of the jungle throughout all times. And yeah, we, we certainly have um, environmental and educational aspects uh, scattered throughout the resort. So we provide the, the visitors with different information during their hikes and um, other activities around the area and into the national park. And yeah, like as we are an eco resort, there are many different aspects we are trying to cover uh, during the guest stay at the resort. I think that one of the advantages of being in the location that we are is that there's so much great access to to nature in a variety of ways. Uh, so from the resort, you can walk straight to the national park. It, you know, it's a, a 10 minute walk or so. And then inside, obviously, you've got hiking there or there's the river running alongside the property where you can go tubing or do other river activities. Uh, and speaking from the, the point of view of someone who often works with young kids, Okay, so maybe the walk to the national park and going inside is too far, but we've actually got our own jungle trails that you can do on the property. So you can kind of do maybe a very slow half hour walk, having a look at maybe do a scavenger hunt on the way, see what you can find in the the jungle just around us. What do you see? Again, if our focus is environmental education, tourism, what are like the benefits of, of connecting people with nature? I mean, I know that it's like relaxing and, and that'll be probably good for, for your heart rate and stuff like that. But uh, in what ways does, uh, does the tourist like make some sort of positive impact or, or, or just to improve their awareness of knowledge? So in my opinion, it's about making people feel connected to nature in a way that the, their actions have a real impact on it and vice versa. So a lot of people will learn about things like sustainability and how certain behaviors that we, that we have in our life will have an impact on the environment. Well, what we try to do is show 
that those impacts are real and actually very close to us. So by using the nature around us to kind of create activities from it and go and explore it, I think it just helps to increase that feeling that actually we're all part of the same system here and it's not people versus nature or people and nature. It's, it's it, well, it is people and nature because we are the same. So looking at your website and so forth, I get the sense that there's two different things at work here. There's sort of the side where you're providing education and experiences for local communities and school groups, but then you have these rooms where tourists from abroad can come and stay. Can you tell us how these two kind of work together and benefit one another? Yeah, like from the resort perspective, um, I, I think due to the history of the, the two entities and businesses, you know, like since a long time, we, we have visitors coming to Kaosop with a certain interest in nature. And, you know, like we have always, you know, tried to provide as much information as possible. Our guides have learned with us and, you know, like I've, I've taught our guests already about, you know, the surrounding natures and shared their passion for it. And, you know, like what now happened with the Jungle Life Camp, I believe, is that we created something really dedicated to environmental tourism and, you know, like environmental education, which now is not only accessible by one, one you know, like like one channel or one entity, but it's it's literally for, for the broader community, it's for our guests, it's for international schools, and we are able to kind of combine that because the Jungle Life Camp wasn't started as a business, because it, it was started initially as, you know, like a... A non-profit generating entity um, which only was supposed to serve the, um, the local community and now due to the development of the last three to four years we managed to to kind of like in, make this more inclusive and incorporate other other visitors as well. I think Marius has really hit the, uh, the nail on the head there and actually earlier on you asked us what what we thought made this place unique I think that's basically it is that yeah we're, we're not providing these kind of activities only for tourists or only for the local community. It really is for everyone. And we find a way to, to keep everyone involved. And by starting with the local community, it's actually given us an opportunity to celebrate what we're doing in a way that people who are otherwise not involved can, can, can appreciate it. So for example, sometimes we have university groups come here. And if it's a university group, then my, my suggestion to them is, okay, you can come and just see what we do in terms of community development. Rather than creating an activity for them, they're coming to learn about our model. Okay, I had a question about the, something else I saw on the website, which was the junior guides. And now that you mentioned uh, that it's like a summer camp kind of theme to some degree, like the life camp, is the junior guides more of like a, is like a boy scout kind of thing? Is it more of like a count? camp counselor training so they can become mentors to younger kids or is it like a like a jobs training to like help people learn to become like local tour guides? Honestly it's basically like all that. of those things. This has only started really quite recently. Uh, we've had different interactions with with guides with teenagers in the past but this club is a fairly recent addition. Uh, but basically we have a group of about 20 teenagers who live in the local area who are just really into hiking. A lot of them are interested in being guides in the future. Some of them who are a little bit older have actually already started working as guides when they're free on the weekends. Maybe they're a paddle guide on the river or some of them working as an assistant to guides in the national park. Um, and so we just organize, yeah, mostly hiking or camping or cooking activities are normal activities defined in Kaosok already. So it's generally the kind of work that they're looking to do when they're older. Uh, but we always add this environmental spin on it. So we're kind of going deeper into concepts that 
maybe some of the current guides in Kaosok aren't introducing their tourists to, but the idea is that when these teenagers are older and are working as guides more often, that you know they can bring a bit more background information on what this, what's happening in the ecosystem, for example, or, or specific species. Also, just having a more kind of being aware of what is seen as more sustainable action, more sustainable ways to do tourism, to travel, to visit, you know, natural spaces um, compared to maybe some of the older generation who haven't had that exposure to recent trends in, in thinking in that respect. Okay. Well, there's obviously lots of sides to environmentalism and certainly no shortage of kind of issues in our world. I'm wondering with all these programs you're doing, whether it's local school kids or university groups or international groups coming to, to learn and experience, are there some key messages and aspects to this that you're really trying to hammer through to people? I think the, the message that I personally try to give, and there's so many that you, you could give, but the one that I think is important is just reiterating, reiterating the fact that everything you learn about it is really something that you can take action on in your life. For example, an easy one for people to do is maybe reduce the, the amount of plastic bags that they're using. So that's something that's actionable and is mm -hmm. quite easy to introduce. Uh, but when we learn about something more than that, it's often like you have to wait for the trend to start before you actually start doing it. So, we've, okay, so the trend was straws for a while okay. after plastic bags, it was the straws, right? And then you wait for the next trend to come along. But actually, right. you can go and find out other things you can be doing to, to help the environment and implement them left, right, and center. Like basically every, almost every major decision we have, and sometimes small decisions in a day-to-day -day basis, uh, do come with their own impact. And so I think that thinking about sustainability should be at the forefront of everything we do and not just something that pops up once in a while or, you know, you're following the, the latest trend. It's a perfect response. It's like you've said that before, Mike. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, again, I don't know this is interesting because there are different facets and I like the idea that you're doing this positive outreach into the community and that you host schools, uh, whether they're international schools or local schools. But how about like what type of experience a family, let's say, would have if they came down there for maybe two nights, three days? What would a, what would a family experience be like uh, at, at the resort? Yeah, it really depends, I think, on, on the f uh, family's requirements as well. I, I mean, the good thing is that, you know, like with the Jungle Life Camp here and our two, uh, our Jungle Resorts, the two, two resort entities, we can provide different kind of activities for, for the clients. So, so usually what we have is we have, we, we have our normal nature-based activities, where, which are mostly either way locally guided or guided by, by an English-speaking nature guide. And then, you know, like now we also have the option to, to, you know, like provide the family. So even just the kids, you know, like with, with, with kids-focused environmental ed ed education activities. And that gives us, you know, like a lot of different uh, options to play around with the program, you know, like so sometimes families prefer it to, to join, you know, like join the activities in the morning or in the afternoon um, all together. Or sometimes they said like, oh, my kids should, you know, like should learn to be a bit more self-independent. And so they're going, you know, like like just just a brother and a sister um, going to the jungle life camp and enjoying the time there and learning about our farm or the, you know, like the, the surrounding environment while the parents are doing other activities. And I think in that way, it's it's quite unique what we can offer here in comparison to other places. And it's 
quite quite genuine because it came from a different angle you know like like we didn't start it off with this kind of like kids activities but it came you know like like throughout like a three-year development timeline of creating these activities finding the right stuff training them and you know like now ending up at the place where we are where we have a full team and are completely dedicated to to deliver a really good educational program okay i've been through your websites plural there's a number of them there's a lot of stuff there so I want to ask you about, say, three different aspects of travel or experience. And maybe you can quickly give us some ideas of what people might do or experience. So if you could give us a broad strokes overview, like let's say we're a family and we have two days and two nights. What kind of things might we want to do or experience? Uh, So for a a family with younger kids, if they want to get involved at the Jungle Life Camp where, you know, we have the kids oriented activities, then a, a normal day would start with... Uh, making some shelters, uh, so they can start with start mm-hmm. with the basics. You need you need some rope, and so we we find some materials around us that we can make rope from. Actually, we make our rope from the previous group's finished shelter because we use the hmm. the stem from banana leaves to make rope for the next group. Um, uh, okay, hmm. so they finish their shelter building, and then the next activity we run will be called Amazing Insects. So we learn about insects, we learn about their role in the ecosystem. And then we go and find insects on our farm. And there's actually a, a huge variety mm-hmm. of things we can, we can catch. And then we ID them and learn about which ones are useful for the farms, which ones are harmful for the farm. Uh, but importantly, why, what, what's the difference between our farm, where we're primarily, well, we're as organic as we can be, and a normal farm where you're going to find less biodiversity there, um, where, yeah, what, what is the difference and which one is better, essentially? And, you know, the, the kids can make up their own mind, which which is the best way to do it, because they be- definitely both have their pros and cons. And then in the afternoon, they can do the, the jungle walk, easy walk, take a scavenger hunt along so they can kind of be looking out for things on the way. And then when we get back to our camp after that, it's time for nature art. So in the nature art activity, they're using things like flowers, leaves, and even stones to make paints from that, you know, they can make a, a picture to take home with them afterwards. Okay, I think I want to step back and, and take a broader view again now. I read something that you mentioned that, you know, it's a competitive tourism industry. And, and I understand that by, you know, working with the community and educating them in some best practices um, for responsible tourism, let's say, uh, will have like a trickle of down effect in the industry there. But do you see like, you, you used the word trend before, and obviously things go through trends and Thai people are, are very into them. Um, but do you think the future of Asia in Asia for environmental education is, is going to be a thing that's going to stick or it's going to become like an important trend, let's say, or a lasting one? I, I think very much after the pandemic, like people are looking more for outdoor activities and they have realized that sometimes it's not the best way to travel from one place to the other without taking anything. And now what we see is that people are more interested in, in a local angle and they would like to spend more time in a destination and really experience not only the surrounding nature, but also maybe interact with the locals and, you know, like take something home, which is not 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 only a souvenir, but, you know, like take take home experiences they, they had. And, you know, like I, as, we, as we pointed out, our recommendations are fairly, fairly simple, but they provide a really 
lasting memory and experience. And in that regard, we managed to get clients from four and five star resorts from the surrounding bigger tourism destinations staying with us and taking the step down for the experience sake. And I think the Jungle Life Camp as well is adding quite a lot to that as well, because, you know, like the, there's nothing like it I know of um, which, which can deliver this kind of like educational experience for children or families. So on that note, you mentioned the rooms, and I've had a look at the website, and there seems to be a real variety of, of room styles and types. Can you tell us what guests could expect if they come and stay there? What, what are the lodgings like? Uh, actually, as you pointed out, quite individual. Um, one of our resorts was built as a private estate first and then turned into resort. So there's a lot of different house and variation styles, and our jungle camp itself was built purposefully built as a hotel. But um, we have different tree houses, different nature bungalows, and uh, tree houses, for example, that can host from two travelers to three, two larger families of four in our loft tree houses, or even families of six in a two-story tree house. So, so we have accommodations fitting any kind of like travel arrangement, and yeah, we have connecting tree houses as well, which could host two families with four. And in that regard, we we build our accommodations in a way that that we can accommodate families quite easily and is this a place too that just an adult couple might want to come and enjoy themselves as well like you mentioned all the environmental programs but are there things that you know someone like me and my wife could come and and do other stuff get on the water i saw a bathing with elephants what else could we enjoy yeah there's there's a broad broad variety of activities actually i mean from if you enjoy nature and you just want to kind of like forest base our jungle house is the perfect place with with our um treehouse balconies you will you will see the surrounding limestone cliffs and you will really sit in the in the almost national park like uh, forest and um yeah from there you could hop on a canoe and paddle down the river or during rainy season, you can do tubing activities. You could visit um, an ethical elephant experience, or you can go and uh, visit Chiolan Lake, which is an attraction in itself. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's such an amazing part of Thailand. It's such a beautiful country down there. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of Thai people travel there. I, I assume a number of international visitors have heard of it, again, because of the national park. And so if people are going there, there's different ways they can experience your your jungle resort life camp all that like whether they just send their kids there for a week while they go on a scuba trip together stay at a spa resort or something can people come as like a day trip just to have lunch and enjoy the view uh or or do they have to stay at the resort can you just do activities there as an outside guest you mentioned uh guests staying at at other like five-star resorts nearby came by yeah definitely um everybody is welcome to visit for a day or two and um yeah actually the the people from the surrounding five-star resorts from kaolako phuket and so on they come and stay overnight and they're taking a little bit of a you know like lower room category and service for in exchange for for a stronger experience um but yeah like certainly everybody is welcome also to join our jungle life uh jungle life activities either way for a full day or a half day there's so much use of the word eco. And, you know, when I hear of eco, I think of when boutique started to become the big word in hotels and then gets used so much, it kind of is worthless. And I'm wondering what things does a business like yours or hotel have to be and do to actually be considered eco and sustainable? And what are some things you're most proud of doing? Um, yeah, basically, it's quite interesting. As we mentioned, the owner a couple of times, he calls himself the grandfather of uh, ecotourism in Thailand because he started already in the 70s, you know, organizing like uh, bamboo raft tours, you know, like with a tent on the bamboo raft on the, in, in Kanchanaburi down the rivers and so on. 
And he, he took this kind of concept throughout his time in Thailand and built different resorts and quite a basic style to, to say the least. But, you know, like once you mm-hmm. look closer, he, he put the right amenities and the right parts of luxury into rooms and, and uh, into the whole resort, which made it really enjoyable, even though like some, you know, like, like some amenities and some comforts like air conditioning were never like an option for him. And that created created a surrounding and you know like a like a, a vibe i would say where, where people who neglected this kind of like comforts had a really really great experience and we managed to have the right customers for for our product and now like nowadays we, we're going a bit more mainstream because you know like exactly this experience becomes more desired by by the mass market and by more more common travelers to say the least yeah. so i think that there are plenty of examples of specific things that the resorts here have incorporated into into their design to, to help them be more eco-friendly. Uh, just just starting with the building materials themselves, there's a lot of bamboo and wood being used. One thing that I think gets regular good feedback is, is, is really easy to implement, just the fact that there's water to refill in every room. So anyone that's brought their own water bottle doesn't mm. have to, you know, buy several plastic bottles every day just to, to get enough to drink. More complicated things, possibly, uh, such as what we're doing with the the kids' camp and working with the local community. I think it's something that is is not often considered. Is you know what, what is your relationship to the local community and how can you make sure that that works well? Not only in a business way, but also it would be a shame if Kalsok were to start to lose its natural appeal because people weren't looking after it very well. Uh, so really, looking long term, the idea is that we're promoting a type of tourism which is aimed at preserving what we have, but at the same time getting the local people interested and also knowledgeable about how to make sure this tourism can continue, which is so reliant on this you know, natural environment that we do have. You know, it's such a simple thing, but that water I am always going on about keeping people hydrated. If people are hydrated, they stay healthy, they spend more and eat more at your resort and so forth. And it always makes me really angry when you get like one 500 mil bottle. So I commend you for having refill stations. That's totally awesome. Yeah. And I think you guys are providing a pretty cool experience for people. Again, like I would look out for things like this and, uh, you know, for people who want to have experiences like this, uh, obviously an easy way for them to do so would be to stay at your resort. Um, but what do you think the, in general across Asia visitors should look for when trying to find a, you know, a resort or like a destination that might do such responsible things? Like how can people seek out this type of education, if you will? I think there's maybe an obvious one here is just to look at reviews that, that people are giving uh, with resorts. Uh, I'm not so sure, but certainly when it comes to activities that you're choosing to book, uh, one really comes to mind is, is uh, a controversial topic for a while now, I think is with elephants, especially in Thailand. There's a lot of places that work mm-hmm. with elephants and I've been to a lot of these places and some of them you come away feeling sad and some of them you, you come away feeling more hopeful. And honestly speaking, I think with a little bit of research, uh, you can at least get some idea of the type of place that you're about to visit before you commit to making that booking. As we kind of get close to winding up here, I mean, what are a few things you'd really like all travelers to Asia to know that will help them have a more positive impact on the areas they visit and connect with those areas a bit better? 
I think being curious is, is one of the most important parts, you know, like as Mike said, you know, like do your research, maybe visit locations which are not yet like the high, top ranking ones on Instagram and, you know, like like just be curious about what you see on the way, you know, like because there's a lot of lot of positive things, you know, like like on the side of the road, so to speak, you know, like like if, if you keep an open mind and an open eye during your travels, you know, like you will find amazing places wherever you go and hopefully come and visit us in Kawasaki in the future. Huh? Yeah, I'd love to. I, I haven't been there in ages and uh, it's gorgeous. So guys, how can people get more information about you? Obviously, we're going to have the links up on our show notes, but uh, you have a popular Instagram account or what's the best uh, media for people to, to look at to learn more about you? Yeah, we do have a constantly updated Instagram account for all properties. But yeah, surely you can find out uh, about our jungle house and our jungle camp under... Um, so it's cowsockecoresort.com or cowsockaccommodation.com. We have really great website names. And our Instagram handles are our jungle house and our jungle camp. And then for the jungle life camp, it's junglelifecamp.com or cowsockjunglelife. Thanks, gentlemen. I admire what you do, number one. Number two, I can't believe I still haven't been to the Cardamom tented camp since we spoke, Marius. And Mike, we've never met, but I look forward to meeting you. And you know what? I've been on the edge of Kausok, but I've never actually been in the National Park despite 23 years in Thailand somehow. So wow. I'm way overdue for a visit, and thanks for making time for us. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks a lot for hosting us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Hey, you know, I know that we covered a lot of different topics and didn't dive deep into any particular one. But now that I'm reflecting for a moment, I think the, the, the summer camp, like the original concept that they mentioned, might be the most interesting one for me because people forget that here in Asia, lots of times they don't have these experiences that we culturally have. And like, I went to summer camp one summer, well, just the once, but like I experienced it and it's such an American cultural kind of phenomenon. Maybe you have it in Canada too. You can let us know in a sec, but like the idea of having like a summer camp for kids in Thailand and for Thai kids to have that summer camp experience. That's, that's really cool. Summer camps are a big thing in Canada. My parents didn't really send me to, multi-night overnight ones. Although I did when I was in Beavers, Cubs, or Scouts do a few of those where they were multi-night affairs. And I went to a lot of day camps as a kid. And you know, all those ones growing up in Canada, it was definitely an outdoor aspect, whether it was winter and you were trying to build, you know, a snow dwelling or it was summer, you were always kind of out in the woods or camping and you were learning how to do things responsibly out in the woods. So I definitely had those kind of experiences. Now, the opposite of this is where we are and where our guest just shared with us is is the jungle and the tropics is a completely different beast and being hot and sweaty and everything that goes along with it. Like, man, hikes and whatnot there. I, I wonder how many people leave without a cut or a nick <laughs> or like a rash or something. Yeah. Because, man, you spend time in there and you get rashy. That's true. And that might be actually part of the jungle survival, right? Like how to like protect yourself against these things or how to, you know, bandage yourself up. But, you know, I mean, if you're by the lake, you can cool off. Uh, it's like a beautiful area of Thailand. Um, you know, I was looking at their photos. There's like these courses where you can like learn to make rope out of like natural fibers. So like as a kid, I think, or people who have kids, it looks like there's some really like cool, fun stuff to do. Otherwise, we didn't even touch on the cooking class there, which is a pretty common thing in Thailand. But they have like a farm there on the resort and they it's they have like a farm to table 
cooking experience that you can do as well. So like, you know, you don't have to get out in the bush and get all scratched up. You can, you can, you know, go to the gardens and pick some fruit and vegetables and, and learn how to cook Thai food, which is a pretty awesome thing to do too. Yeah. And having a real Khao Sok experience has been on my bucket list here for decades now. Literally, I slept on the edge of the park once, but we didn't have time to actually go into the park. So I really need a couple days on the lake on these boats and then hiking in the jungle. I've seen friends post photos. It looks incredible. So I really like how these guys are blending the ability for visitors to come and have a, you know, a visitor experience, but then how within kind of the same property and that they have this center set up for whether it's local school kids where they're providing apparently free experiences, right? Or to then groups that can come and, and pay money to be there. But it sounds like they've managed to craft a really nice blend between a tourism venture and a learning venture with people paying for things, but then other people getting complimentary programs. So I, I really like that that blend, that circular kind of operation to it. Yeah, you know, honestly, I've been all around the area, but I haven't been into the national park itself. I, it's definitely a bucket list kind of thing to do. But again, it's like so near the beach and Panga and all these islands as well. So I don't know, you, you probably just need a month to go and do everything right around down there. Yeah, and it's just far enough here by the time you fly and you get to and from for the day. I guess that's why I haven't really properly been, you know, but man, every time we do one of these episodes, I probably get as excited as anyone listening and it's somewhere I really want to go. And I'm impressed with Marius and Mike. They both seem real experts at what they're doing. So one of these days, one of these days, man, I'm going to get down there, but it was great to chat with them. Remember, if you enjoy this show, do become a patron, click donate on the show and be like James H and Chris, who've been patrons for quite some time and recently got to enjoy a video of a stroll I had through downtown Singapore, showing off all the modern architecture there. So thanks for your support, James, Chris, and the other patrons. Uh, Trevor, how about you wrap this thing up? Yeah, go check out the show notes. Uh, we have links to the Cow Soak Jungle Life Camp, uh, information about Mike and Richard and uh, all of our other episodes about responsible tourism, as well as a link to our Patreon page. So hit that, uh, get the bonus content. Otherwise, we'll be back in two weeks. we got a pretty fun episode we're about to record that's going to follow this one. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and